Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see everybody here. You all look wonderful. My name is Tim Park. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is so good to worship together here. And also for those who are joining us online, a special welcome to you. Uh, I want to share with you uh, an encounter that happened several years ago that was quite shocking, okay? And uh, our family was having dinner at a restaurant, and uh, Joanne and I witnessed something that uh, I'll never forget. Now, our kids were uh, too young at that time, but this encounter has stayed with me all these years. And as I was preparing this message for today, this past week, uh, I was reminded of this encounter. We're having dinner at this restaurant, and at the table next to us, there was this group of people, and let's just say that they were loud. Okay, they were really loud and uh, inconsiderate because they were just talking and talking really loudly. Uh, and as the evening went on, their conversations got louder and louder. And you have to understand that the overall mood of the restaurant was on the quieter side. So there wasn't a whole lot of ambient noise. And so here we are sitting next to them, hearing this conversation, okay? And throughout the course of their conversation, and this table, there must have been about a total of maybe eight people, both adults and children. And during the course of the conversation, we could hear them make reference to church. So we heard, you know, church quite regularly throughout their conversation. But at the same time, they were using terms and words, and uh, they were talking about subjects that were kind of inappropriate, especially for kids. Uh, in that context, and some of them were just kind of like crude comments, so I thought that was kind of interesting. But we just sat there eating our dinner, and okay, I wasn't eavesdropping, okay? I just want you to know, okay, we're just minding our own business, but they were talking really loudly, and because it was just a quiet environment, you could hear every word, and it sounded like they didn't care about what they were saying. At one point during their conversation, a lady from another table, further away from them, gets up out of her chair and walks over to that table. And she starts talking to one of the men there. And she says, can you please keep it down? People have already left the restaurant because you're being too loud. And then at that point, that man who she was talking to, stands up and says, as if I care. And so he sits back down. She makes her way back to her table. And at that point, I'm like, wow, this is like really shocking, unexpected. And then when she sat down, there was another man at another table next to hers who then says to her, Good for you. <laughs> but then he doesn't stop there. He gets up out of his chair, walks over to that table that was being loud, and starts talking to that man who said, as if I care. So they're going at it. They're arguing. They're swearing at each other. And before you know it, that guy stands back up and goes face to face with a man who approached him. And they are just going at it. They are yelling. And then at one point, the man from that loud table says, let's take this outside. 
It, it, it really looked like a movie. Hey, let's take this outside. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm just shocked. So they make their way toward the entrance, and I said, hey, honey, I'm going to go over there just to see, just in case one of them needs my help. I wasn't going to fight, okay? So don't, don't worry, don't worry, okay? Don't worry. But, you know, I was like, you know, maybe I need to call 911 or something, so I better just go over there. Maybe, maybe I was going to be a mediator or whatnot. But So I get up out of my chair, and I go to the front of the restaurant, and those two men are yelling at each other just outside the front doors. They're going at it. The manager is trying to break up this argument. And then at one point, the man at the loud table, he throws a punch and lands it on the other man's temple. And blood starts to pour. And I'm getting ready to call 911. And the manager's keeping them apart. And then the wife of the man who's bleeding rushes over and she starts yelling at the man, right, at the loud table, who threw the punch. And then that man says to her, we were just minding our own business. I was having dinner with my pastor's family. Yeah. When your husband comes over and challenges me. I was like, wow, everything about that is just wrong. He, so they were having dinner with their pastor's family, and uh, I, I was just in shock. I was just in, in shock. Finally, the manager got a hold of the situation, and uh, I'm not sure exactly what happened after that, but all I know is uh, I remember that very vividly. Uh, that was quite a shocking uh, scene. Um, and I thought about that this past week. Uh, you know the power of the tongue is one of the greatest powers that God has given to us. With the tongue, we can bless others, we can encourage others, we can inspire others. But with that same tongue, we can also ridicule people, we can cause hurt to them, we can embarrass them, and sometimes we can cause a scene that leads to a fight. Well, today we're going to continue in our series in the book of James, and we come to chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, and the title of my message this morning is The Power of the Tongue. The Power of the Tongue. We're going to read our passage here in a moment, so you can start making your way to James chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. And as you make your way there, I want you to listen to some of these quotes about the tongue that I've kind of, you know, compiled over the years. Let me just share with you a handful of quotes. This one author says this, by examining the tongue of a patient, physicians find out the diseases of the body and philosophers, the diseases of the mind. How about this one? The most ferocious monster in the world has its den just behind the teeth. And how about this one? Give not thy tongue too great liberty, lest it take thee 
prisoner. You know, one of the best ways that you and I can tell how we are doing spiritually is by measuring what comes out of our mouths. I'm going to elaborate on that statement throughout the course of today's message as we unpack this incredibly challenging passage. One of the best ways that we can determine how we're doing spiritually is by measuring what comes out of our mouths. Let's start in James chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. James writes this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Now you might remember that James introduced the subject of the tongue back in chapter 1. He said that if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but is deceived in his heart, then this person's religion is worthless. It is useless. What we say and how we say it dramatically affects the lives of those around us. What we say matters. And this applies to every follower of Jesus Christ. And here in verses 1 and 2, James addresses teachers specifically. He points out teachers in particular. And the reason why is this. As the early church started to spread into the various regions, word got back to James that there were many people in those new churches, especially new believers, who wanted to become pastors and teachers and spiritual leaders. You see, many of these people, they were so impressed by the authority and the prestige that came along with being a spiritual leader. But they didn't consider the tremendous responsibility and the, the accountability that teachers face. And so James sends this warning in chapter 3, and he warns them, hey, think twice. Not many of you should become teachers. They were so attracted to the office of pastor. They were so attracted to the position of teacher and leader. They saw other people teaching. They saw other people preaching. They saw other people leading, and they thought to themselves, hey, I can do that. I'd like a shot at teaching. Because... I like to speak in front of people. I can articulate well, and I was on the debate team at school. So they thought, because they could talk well, maybe I can teach. But they did not understand the responsibility and the accountability that comes along with that responsibility of teaching. Pastors and teachers. If you are a teacher here in our church in any capacity, 
we face a stricter judgment. Because our essential instrument, the tongue, it has such great influence. And I got to tell you, every week as I prepare to come up here, I have to remind myself of that. Every single week that I will face a stricter judgment because of the responsibility of teaching God's word. Now, every one of us knows how influential our words are. Parents, you know that, right? When your kids are really, really young, it was cute when they would mimic you, right? When they would uh, say the same things that you say, right? So it's very cute. But it can also be very embarrassing. And sometimes just downright shameful. Where'd you learn that? Oh, from you. <laughs> when any of us teaches God's word, whether it's from the stage here, across the way in the landing, in the children's building, downstairs in the classrooms. Whenever we teach God's word, we need to remind ourselves that we will be held to a stricter judgment because not only do our words influence others, but beyond that, our words will be used to measure our lives against. We'll talk more about that as we unpack this passage. But let's continue on in verses 3 to 5. James says in verse 3, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a small, a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Now, the idea here in this section is this. Because our words are so powerful, they have the ability to direct the course of future actions. That's how powerful our words are. Our words have the ability to direct the course of future actions. A bit in a horse's mouth, a rudder on a ship, our tongue, they all share this one thing in common. They are small in relation to their surroundings, and yet they have the power to control their bodies like no other member. That is how powerful our tongues are. Now, I don't know too much about horses, but we live only four or five miles away from Horsetown, USA. That's right, the city of Norco. Did you know that the city of Norco has as its official slogan and nickname, Horsetown, USA? And whenever we drive through Norco, we see why it's called Horsetown, USA. People are running errands on their horses. At the local Stater Brothers, CVS, there are hitching posts. I've seen a horse at the CVS drive through in Norco. And I got to tell you, that horse was huge. Now, I'm in an SUV, but that horse is like massive. And yet, it's directed by one little person just tugging at a rein. Think about it, a jockey, small in stature, 
can control a thoroughbred horse that weighs over a thousand pounds simply because of a five inch bit. In Norco, I learned this past week an interesting fact there are 140 miles of horse trails in the city, and it is a tiny city. So whenever I drive through Norco and I see a horse, I'm reminded how powerful that horse is, and yet how more powerful the person controlling that horse is with that bit. How about a rudder on a ship? Who here has been to the USS Midway? Anybody here? Good, a few of us, okay? Isn't it wonderful? It's a great place to visit. I highly recommend it. If you've not been on the USS Midway, go down and visit it down in San Diego. The USS Midway is an aircraft carrier turned museum. And when you're on that museum, you sense the sheer size of it. It is humongous. Think about it. Aircraft carriers, cruise ships today, they are more than three football fields in length, end to end. They carry thousands of people, and yet they're controlled by a small rudder in comparison to the ship. Likewise, the tongue, as small as it is, has the ability to direct the course of future actions. Not only of our lives, but of the lives around us. It has that much power. Now, at this point, it's possible that some of you are thinking, all right, Tim, I have a big mouth. Tim, I just talk too much. And so the only solution for me is to keep my mouth shut and never say another word. Some might be led to think that's the only solution. But that is not James's ultimate point here. Now, yes, I imagine some people might benefit from talking less, okay? In fact, James mentions that earlier, right? He says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So it's never a bad thing to listen more than talk. But the solution is not to lock ourselves in our rooms, never to come out, never to talk to anybody, never to post anything online. You don't solve the problem of an unruly wild horse by simply keeping it locked up in the barn. You don't take a bad ship and just leave it docked forever and ever. As one commentator put it, it's not about taking a vow of silence. Okay, so please don't miss James's point here. It's not about taking a vow of silence and not saying anything ever again. That is not the answer. So what is the answer? What's the answer to controlling our tongue? Well, we're going to get to that in a bit. But let's continue on. Look at the second half of verse 5, and I'll read to verse 8. James continues, he says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. 
The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, this is some strong language here. James, he's not holding back. There's nothing subtle about what James is saying here in these verses. And he talks about the devastating effect of one little spark. Now, you and I know very well here in Southern California, we know what kind of damage can be done by one little spark. And James compares the unbridled tongue to an out-of-control fire. One minute, everything is fine. The next minute, disaster. I imagine most of us have been in a situation where we're having a conversation, maybe with a spouse, maybe a loved one, a child, a parent, a friend, coworker. Everything's going well. And then just one word, whether it's out of your mouth or out of the other person's mouth, and it's that awkward silence. And you know the air is thick. And you know that the mood has changed all of a sudden. That's why James compares an unbridled tongue to an out-of-control fire. If you've ever been burned physically, you know how painful it is, right? You know, burns, they don't heal quickly. And they leave deep lasting scars. The tongue has burned many people. The tongue has burned many people. There's a children's rhyme, many of you know it, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I don't know who came up with that rhyme, but it is just not true. That rhyme is just not true at all. The bitter pain of an unkind word can last for years. You know, a broken bone, it'll heal in time. A broken spirit can last a lifetime. A broken spirit does not heal quickly. How many times have we made a sarcastic remark and then we just played it off as, oh, I was just kidding. Don't be so serious. Or how many times have we made a critical remark and then we said to the other person, don't be so sensitive. Get over it. A broken spirit can last a lifetime. But here's the flip side. A timely word of encouragement can make a person's day. A timely word of encouragement can inspire someone to do something great in the name of Jesus. A timely word of encouragement can allow a person to reach his or her potential to be the person God has designed us to be. There's power 
in our words. At the beginning of the series, we said that James was influenced by Jewish wisdom literature. People have called the book of James the Proverbs of the New Testament. So this past week, I thought, what if I just came up here and what if my entire sermon was just reading one proverb after another that talks about the tongue? I, I gave serious thought to that. I thought, maybe I'll just come up here, open my Bible, and just read every single proverb that talks about the tongue, and then I'd go sit back down. That'd be pretty cool. And guess what? There are enough verses in Proverbs that would last an entire sermon, and then some. But today, I'm just going to give you a handful. Four verses from the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs 10, verse 20, it says this, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. Proverbs 12, 18, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 16, 24, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Did you know that our words can bring healing to the body? In Proverbs 18, 21, this one, I encourage you, commit to memory. If you're going to memorize anyone right here. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What we say matters. I cannot overstate that. What we say to someone face-to-face, what we say about someone behind his or her back, what we write about someone, it matters. Because ultimately, here's what happens. What we say, it tells the world who we represent. Every single word that comes out of my mouth tells the world who I represent. And the question is this, do I represent Jesus Christ or the evil one? It's one or the other. Jesus Christ or the evil one. And James has much to say about that in the following verses. Look at verses 9 through 12. He says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James marvels at the contradictory nature of the tongue. How is it that we can praise God one minute and then curse people the next minute? How is it that we can sing songs here at church one hour and then get into the car and onto the freeways and then make commentaries on every other driver? And by the way, do you ever notice whenever we make comments on other drivers, it's never good comments. 
Think about that. When we give commentary on the roads, it's never good comments. Ooh, that was a smooth lane change. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Do we ever say that? Oh, that driver in the fast lane, he's going the speed limit. Good for him. No, we don't ever say that. Why is it that every commentary on the roads is a negative one? Maybe we ought to try this next time. The next time we get in a car, see if we can only make positive comments. All right, so the next time we get in the car, which for all of us will be after church today, okay? Get in the car and ask yourself, can I only make positive comments on my way home? That'd be amazing. That might be a miracle for some. The question for us to consider is this. Are we consistent in our speech? And what we mean by that is really, are we consistently glorifying God in our speech? You see, because if we speak in a spiritual manner in one setting, and then we speak in an ungodly manner in another setting, and by ungodly, I'm referring to anything from verbal to written to electronic. Here's what's going to happen. People will begin to see the inconsistency and beyond that, the hypocrisy of our lives. Our words will be used to measure our lives against Earlier, we said that the solution to the subject of controlling the tongue is not to take a vow of silence. That's not the ultimate solution. So what's the answer? What's the solution to controlling our tongues? Here's the answer. The answer is to give the Holy Spirit control of our tongues. We read that every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can control the tongue. Think about this. We can teach a bird how to talk, right? We can teach a killer whale how to entertain people at a water park, but we cannot tame the tongue. Why? Here's the reason. Because even though we have dominion over the animal kingdom, because of the fall of man, we've lost dominion over ourselves. We've lost dominion over ourselves. And the only way that you and I are going to be able to control our tongue is by giving up control of our tongue to the Holy Spirit. Because if we have given our lives to Jesus Christ, that means the Spirit of God lives within us. See, because before we came to Christ, the Spirit of God did not live within us. The ultimate power was ourselves. But as believers now, we've given up control of ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he now has the ability to control our tongue. The old nature has passed away. All things are new now. You know, earlier, James asked the rhetorical question, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs. Did you know that you can walk up to an orange tree and you can call it an apple tree all you want and you'll never see an apple fall from that tree? 
In fact, you could take that orange tree, uproot it, transplant it into an orchard of apple trees, and then you say it to all the apple trees, hey, create apple trees, I want you to encourage that orange tree to produce apples. You can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And you'll never see an apple fall from that orange tree. Why? Here's the reason. Because nature determines fruit. Nature determines fruit. We are a new creation. We have a new nature. The book of James is all about exhorting believers to live according to our new nature. So it's not so much about trying and trying and trying with our own power. The book of James is like, look, you're a new creation, so live like that. Live according to your new nature. And the only way that you and I can practically do that is by calling upon the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. We didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. And I got to tell you, I confess to you, it is so hard to control my tongue if I try on my own. I just can't do it. So now how does this look practically? What does it mean to, to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit? That sounds all good, Tim, but what does that mean practically? Well, I'll put it to you this way. We all know that it's not good to gossip, right? Gossip is not a good thing, but the reality is it's so tempting to gossip, right? Do you know why people gossip? Because it's fun. That's the reality. People enjoy talking about other people behind their backs. And you know, sadly, gossip often veils itself in acceptable phrases like, I don't believe it's true, but did you hear? Or how about this one? I wouldn't tell you, but I know you won't tell anybody else. And then this one might be the worst of them all. We got to pray for so-and-so. Did you hear? Gossip can destroy. In the same way, slander can ruin a reputation. A harsh tone just does not fit the character of the follower of Jesus Christ. It just doesn't. A complaining spirit doesn't fit the character of the follower of Jesus Christ. This is a reality check for every one of us, right? Now, I knew I had to preach this sermon this week. And it's so convicting. Whenever I have to preach a sermon up here, that's going to convict you. And I want you to know that before any sermon convicts you, it's got to convict me. The Word of God convicts. This is a reality check. Let's look within. Are we marked by a complaining spirit? Are we marked by a harsh tone? A critical spirit? So practically speaking, what can we do? Well, here's what we can do. Here's how we allow the Holy Spirit to take control of our lives. This is very practical because James is very practical. Every morning when we get up, when we get ready for the day, when we get into the car to get ready to go on the freeways, when we get ready to meet somebody that 
pushes all the wrong buttons. Before we do any of that, pause, pray, and then proceed with the right course of action. Pause. Before the day begins, and you know that you're going to come across people, just pause. And then pray, God, take control of my tongue today. God, the, the first instance where I can get impatient or irritated, give me the power through the Holy Spirit to guard my tongue. When you get in the car, Lord, I'm about to hit the freeways, and you know how that goes, God. Please give me patience. This will help us develop godly habits. And this might include memorizing scripture. I gave you four Proverbs. If you Google Bible verses in the book of Proverbs that talk about the tongue, you'll come up with many. What you can do is you can memorize some, write some of them on a post-it, stick it on your bathroom mirror, or stick it on your rearview mirror. Make sure you give yourself enough room so you can see. But get into the habit of reminding yourself, because there's something powerful about seeing God's Word staring you in the face when you're about to head into a situation that you know is going to try your patience. This is how we develop godly habits to give the power of our tongue to the control of the Holy Spirit. And learning how to control the tongue, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take effort and practice. And and I will say this, and hopefully this will be somewhat of an encouragement to you. This side of heaven, we will not perfect our tongue, okay? But it's all about progress, not perfection. It's all about progress, okay? Because let's face it, at times, we're going to slip up. We usually slip up when we're hangry, right? We usually slip up when we're tired, when we haven't gotten a good night's sleep. But if we learn to develop godly habits, we will see and hear progress in our speech. I promise you that. If we develop godly habits, we can see a new beginning. And some of you might be sitting there thinking to yourself, right now, my family, they're just used to hearing all kinds of stuff come out of my mouth. My co-workers, Those around me, they know how impatient I am. They know how loud of a mouth I have, how crude I am. I want you to know that it's never too late. If you're sitting here listening to this, we can start anew right now. A brand new pattern can start today. And it can happen. It'll take time. It's about progress, not perfection. And two questions that you can ask yourself at the end of every night to help you develop godly habits is this. Two questions. Before you go to sleep, ask yourself just internally. Today, was my speech careless or caring? You can ask yourself that question every night. Today, was my speech careless or caring? And here's the second question. Today, was my speech conniving or Christ-like. 
Was my speech conniving or Christ-like? You know what a conniving person is like? A conniving person is always walking around with a hidden agenda, a selfish, manipulating agenda. Every night, ask ourselves, was my speech careless or caring, conniving or Christ-like? For the follower of Jesus Christ, we can develop these new, godly, edifying habits. We might be rough around the edges. I get that. We might get impatient here and there. We might lose our temper at times. And yes, we might hurt one another with unkind words in the heat of the moment. Those things will happen. But if we remember who lives within us and who has the power to transform our speech, we will look and sound more like Jesus every day. Amen? That is... God's desire for his children this week. Would you bow with me? Father, we want to be more like Jesus. I know that. I want that for my life. I know all my friends here, all my friends watching online, we want to be more like Jesus. And we acknowledge, Lord, that it is hard. In fact, it's impossible on our own, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, this week, may we give him control of our tongues, that we would edify and inspire, and uh, that we would look more and more like Jesus every day. Thank you for the book of James. Thank you for your conviction in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.